The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought, every wrinkle, every spot will be in view. Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of His name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow, will to his majesty he can save you from the might of all your sin this is the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come From the coming storm While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter from the coming storm.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Acceptance seems to be the rule of the day. It seems to be the virtue that everyone treasures. But acceptance will not bring salvation. Acceptance of Jesus will not bring salvation. The issue is not acceptance. The issue is repentance. I know all of us want to be accepted. I remember when I was 12, 13 years old, and we would go to camp meeting. And all of the young people were invited to come to the ball game that afternoon. So we would all come, and they would choose sides for the baseball team. (laughs) Now, I was raised on a farm. We didn't play baseball. I'd never played it in my life. I didn't know the rules. I didn't know anything about it. When Phil Rizzuto would come on the radio to talk about the sports, Dad would say, turn that junk off or turn that noise off. So I wasn't raised playing sports. I was raised swimming on the river, boating, gardening, working on the farm. But I found myself desperately wanting to be accepted by these other young people. But inevitably, I would be chosen last. (laughs) Everyone knew I couldn't play ball. That became a theme of my life. When I went off to a boarding high school that was wealthy compared to me, I showed up in bib overhauls. They showed up in the low-cut overalls, the Levi's. I worked in the kitchen to help pay my way in the boarding school, scrubbing pots and pans. Of course, all around me were young women. I didn't have sisters. I'd never been around girls. I was utterly embarrassed and shy and unable to speak with them. My face, I think, was constantly a bright red. This was a whole new world. I wanted to be accepted in that world. And through the years, I gained those social skills I was very much accepted. I was one of them by the time I graduated from seminary. You know what? That acceptance did not do anything for me with Jesus. And finally, in that denomination, I came to the separation point where their demands conflicted with my understanding of Jesus. So I I left. I wanted Jesus. And always in my heart, these two things played back and forth. I want to be accepted, but I want Jesus. And I finally figured out I couldn't have both. Because acceptance was interpreted, how should I put it, tolerant, tolerance. And the word was that acceptance equaled love. And so we should accept our world. We should accept our children regardless of what decision they make. We should accept our children's demands that we give them what they want us to give them. My dad was very wise. I was just a young man, a young boy. 
and I wore out the Sears Christmas catalog looking at a bow, recurved design, fiberglass, with a quiver and arrows. Oh, I wanted that. So I went to my dad and I said, Daddy, this is what I'd like for Christmas. He said, well, let me look at it. He looked at it and he said, you know, Raymond, I don't plan to spend that much money for Christmas. So no, I'm not going to get you that bow and those arrows and that quiver and the arm guard. I'm not going to get those for you. And my face fell, and I was dejected. And then he said to me, but I'll tell you what I'll do. When I plow the garden out in the spring, I'll give you one row of lima beans that you can plant, you can weed, and you can harvest. And then I'll take you downtown to Sharpsville, which was a little town close by. He said, I'll take you there and you can go door to door and sell your lima beans. That way, by next fall, you should have enough money to buy your bow and arrows. Dad didn't just say, oh, he wants this. I accept what he wants and I'll give it to him. He wouldn't do that. I've been grateful for that all of my life. That was a lesson learned. Dad would not accept what I wanted. Instead, he told me how to go get what I wanted. Now, the problem we have in this area is that we feel if we don't accept homosexuality, if we don't accept other things of darkness and wickedness, we won't be accepted. We must accept to be accepted. I can't walk that way. I won't walk that way. I see homosexuality as a sin. I see lying and cheating as sin. I see causing difficulty for other people as a sin. I see malice and envy and jealousy as sin. I see swearing, sexual uncleanness. I see it as sin. Well, what do I mean by sin? The classical Greek definition of sin, the Greek word being harmatia, the classical definition of sin is missing the mark. But scriptures do not define sin as missing the mark. I listened to one preacher who said, we all sin every day because none of us can hit the bullseye every time. So if you're out playing golf, which I don't do, and you miss that hole in one, you've sinned. And he said, we just have to accept the grace of Jesus and recognize that we are all going to be sinners and that Jesus accepts us. There comes that word. Jesus accepts us and covers us with his grace. Lie upon lie upon lie. So, We started this week saying God is real. And he is real. Now we have to go a little deeper and say, 
Okay, what is sin? Sin is so serious because according to the scriptures, sin brings death. And if you look around you, you recognize the reality that all of us grow old and die, or we die of a sickness, cancer, or heart attack, or an auto accident, or something, and we die. All of us face the reality of death. But the scriptures tell us that death came by sin. So sin is defined in the scriptures in 1 John as lawlessness. Lawlessness. That is, sin is a voluntary The big word would be volitional act. It is a a voluntary act that I take in attitude, in belief, in action. That is in opposition to the Lord God of heaven. So sin is rebellion against the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Anything that opposes that kingdom is of darkness. And then we come to Romans, the fifth chapter. Let's begin with verse 12. On this account, just as... Through one man, sin entered into the world, and death through the sin. So the death passed through to all conceivable men, because all conceivable men sinned. For sin was in the world prior to the law, but sin is not reckoned or inventoried or counted if there be no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over the ones not having sinned after the sameness of the transgressions of Adam, who is a type of the coming one. So what what Paul is saying to us is that all men have sinned. Let me be specific about this, please. You see a little baby. He's so cute. He makes us smile and laugh. But that little baby comes into the world with a death sentence hanging over his head because he is born as a child of Adam. And I'll show this in just a moment, but that By that one man, sin entered into the world, and all men have sinned against the Lord God of heaven because it's written into us. It's not, it's not something that any man has been able to escape except Jesus Christ. All men have died. So this little baby grows to a teenager and then to a young adult and then into adulthood and then into old age and they all die. Why? Because that little baby, that teenager, Every person through the line is under the curse of sin. Well, pastor, that baby hasn't done anything. He's not conscious that he's sinning. So is God going to judge him? I don't know how all that will work. I can only tell you that that little baby is born as the son of Adam 
and there is written into him already the inclination to sin. And even as a little baby, if you watch closely the behaviors, you'll see the selfishness. You'll see the anger when they don't get what they want. And all the way through this this highway that comes to death. So every one of us, and we we read this in um, Romans, this third chapter, there is not a righteous man, not even one. There is no one understanding. There is no one seeking God. Every conceivable man turned away. Together they became morally depraved. This is exactly what happened before the great flood of Noah. It's the same thing that's happening today. Now you say, but pastor, that's not entirely true. It says, Every conceivable man turned away. Together they became morally depraved. There is no one doing what is right. There is not so much as one. Their throat is like a grave. Having been opened, they were working deceit with their tongue. Venom of deadly vipers is under their lips. Their feet are swift to shed blood. No fear of God before their eyes. Well, you may say, Pastor, before I found Jesus Christ, I already knew that I shouldn't do certain things. And I refrained. Yes! Because the Holy Spirit is already working on the earth, trying to bring men into a place of salvation. He loves us. He is ministering to us the blood of Jesus Christ before we're even saved. Before we even come into the knowledge of Jesus, God is working in our hearts to turn us toward Jesus. Because now it is not by law. Now it's by grace. And I'll read that for you. Titus, the second chapter. For the grace of God appeared, saving to all men, teaching us that having renounced ungodliness and the worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in the new, in the now age, awaiting the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself in our behalf in order that he might redeem us from every iniquity and might cleanse for himself a people as a possession, zealous of good works. You must speak these things, both encourage and expose with all authority. Let nobody outthink you. So Paul in the book of Titus is saying that grace has appeared to all men. And the purpose of grace appearing was to teach us to renounce ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we should live righteously. Wait a minute. There's that word. We spoke about that yesterday. That we should live soberly and righteously. It's the righteousness of God that has come into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that turns us away from wickedness. It is grace, then, that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Grace is never in Scripture a covering for wickedness. And so this sin has entered in through Adam. It has turned every man to darkness. But the righteousness of God is there and available for us. And the grace of God is there and available for us to teach us the way of God. 
Now, let me continue reading. This is Romans, the fifth chapter. Nevertheless, verse 14, death reigned from Adam until Moses because of sin. Even over the ones not having sinned after the sameness of the transgression of Adam. Adam disobeyed a very straight command of God. But many in the world have not disobeyed a straight command of God because they've never heard of the law of God. They still die. Verse 15, but the gift of redemption is not as the sin. For if many died by the sin of the one man, much more the grace of God and the gift of the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded with reference to the many. So God came and intervened in man's affairs. They are all bound for death. He refrains the wicked. He, he restrains the wickedness. He brings conviction to the heart. He teaches us to say no to ungodliness. He does not want us to continue walking as sinners before him. For the wages of sin is death. It was death to Adam and Eve, and it's death to every man since then. Verse 16, in fact, the gift is not the same as the one having sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment was because of one sin, resulting in a death sentence. And all of us have had a death sentence over our heads. That baby has a death sentence over his head. That young person has a death sentence over their head. That college-age person has a death sentence over their head. The middle age, the old age, we all have had that death sentence over our heads. Somebody asked me, do you believe a baby is going to die and go to hell? Yes, I believe that. I believe that all men have a death sentence hanging over their head. There's only one way that death sentence can be removed. And that is by the power of God coming into that person's life and turning them toward heaven, toward the Lord, and redeeming them by the blood of Jesus Christ. On the other hand, the gift of redemption was because of many sins resulting in forgiveness. The word is aphemy. It means removal. God came to remove all sins against us. He came to remove the death penalty against us. For if by the sin of the one man death reigned through the one man, much more the ones receiving the fullness of the grace and of the gift of righteousness, they will reign in life through that one man, Christ Jesus. So we do not enter into Jesus Christ by accepting him as our Lord and Savior. I know that's contrary to what many of you have heard. We receive Jesus Christ not by accepting him. We receive Jesus Christ by confessing our sins and repenting of our sins and turning to him. Accordingly, then, as this is verse 18, as through one man's sin resulting in a death sentence against all conceivable men. Wait a minute, did you get upset when I said there's a death sentence against the baby, the teenager, the adult, the man or woman of old age? 
That's what the scriptures say. All conceivable men. It's not speaking about an adult man. It's saying the whole human race has a death sentence against it. Until you come to terms with this death sentence, you'll think that you can just be accepting and that that will be salvation. It's not. And I know today we're in a culture where you're to accept the sinner but hate his sin. The Bible does not divide it that way. A man who commits sin is a sinner, and the death penalty is spoken over his life. And the only way he can escape that death penalty is to repent for his sin, to confess, to turn away from it, to repent. See, we've gotten really fuzzy in our thinking. Oh, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And then you walk in sin. No, you did not accept Jesus. He will not accept you. All sin must be cut off. Pastor, you're saying that most Christians in America are lost. Yes, I am. Because most Christians in America have bought the lie that you can walk in sin and still be accepted by God. You cannot be. It's impossible. It goes against everything of the scriptures. Every man and every woman has a death penalty over their head. And we have to come to terms with what that means for us. Verse 18, accordingly then, as through one man's sin resulting in a death sentence against all conceivable men, so also through one man's righteous act resulting in righteousness of life for all conceivable men. See, it's righteousness that we need to live with Jesus. And through the one man, through his righteous act of dying on the cross, it results in righteousness of life of all conceivable men. For just as through disobedience of the one man, many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, many will be made righteous. You see, righteousness is the active ingredient with the blood of Jesus that cleanses and purifies us and makes us whole. Righteousness literally means innocence. It is the blood of Jesus that washes away our sin. It's the, it's the righteousness of Jesus, the blood that removes from us the curse of death. Now, I don't know how to say this to you, but you are going to die and be cast into hell if you continue to walk in sin. Now, I know that counters almost everything you've known, but listen to the scriptures. Read carefully Romans 5, 6. Read it. Read Romans 8. Let me continue. Verse 20, but law entered with the result that sin may be multiplied. So the Lord added the law to point out very clearly his wrath. God is angry with sinners because he has now made a way of escape for those sinners. But where the sin multiplied, the grace superabounded to overflowing. That is beyond infinity. Grace is beyond infinity. 
But listen now, that even as sin reigned in the sphere of death, so also the grace may reign by means of righteousness, resulting in life eternal by Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace reigns in righteousness. We are, by nature, wicked, evil, depraved. The Holy Spirit has been working in your life to call you into righteousness, into innocence. That grace reigns over your life not as a covering for sin. Nowhere in the scripture does it say that grace covers your sin. Instead, it says grace may reign by means of innocence, being righteous before God. Now, you know, if you've listened very long to this program, that the chapter divisions are artificial. And we have to read them running one chapter into the next chapter to get the full meaning. So it says, grace may reign by means of righteousness resulting in the life eternal by Jesus Christ our Lord. What then shall we say? In other words, what shall we say about grace reigning in righteousness? Continue in the sin so that the grace may become more and more? Certainly not. Absolutely no. We who died to sin, how shall we live in it? Or are you ignorant that as many as, of, as, many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Really, we were buried together with him by means of the baptism into death, just as Christ was raised out from among the dead men by the glory of the Father, so also we may walk around in newness of life. Oh, that's such good news to me. I've had in my life a great sense of dread about dying for eternity about my salvation. And I wanted to believe the, the reformed lie that, that Jesus covered me with his grace. And I was okay. I was on my way to heaven. That everyone sins constantly. You can't help yourselves. Look at First John, the third chapter. Look at First John, the first verses. It's very plain. There is required in the life of that baby, of that young person, of that adult, of that old age senior citizen, there is required a baptism into death. There is required being baptized into the crucifixion of Jesus. And there must be a total conversion. You must be born from above. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Now, can I be, can I be real straight with you? Many of you are still going around doing what you want to do without regard to Jesus Christ. Oh, you'll go to church. You might even pay some tithe. You'll listen to some Christian broadcasts. But bottom line, you have never been broken in the spirit of God. You have never been totally broken of your wickedness. You still claim that wickedness and it surrounds you like a cloak. You still go places that are wicked. You still envy. You still lust. You still argue and fight and cause dissensions. You still live unconverted before Jesus. You've not died 
you've not been brought into this baptism of death. How do we deal with sin? We die to it. We die to it. We have, for this year, been given by the Spirit of God a very clear word. It's two phrases. Let go. Say no. Let go of your own pride, your own arrogance, your own self-sufficiency. Say no to the devil and to the works of darkness. And say yes to Jesus. Let go and say no. That's the word. Chapter 6, verse 3. Or are you ignorant that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? What does it mean to be baptized into the death? Well, first of all, I believe it's done by the Holy Spirit. I don't believe he's referring here to a water baptism, although that is important and that is included. But he's talking here about, ah, you know what I'm talking about. You want to be accepted. You want to be loved. You want to be able to live the lifestyle of the rich and the famous. You want that nice car. You want that nice life. You want people to treat you with respect. You want to be able to go to wicked things with family and friends. You want to sit down and watch wicked movies with family and friends. You want to do what you want to do. But you want to be accepted by Jesus. Jesus does not accept that way. The only acceptance you can have from Jesus is confessing your arrogance and your pride and your lust and your desire to be accepted by everybody, to be somebody. You must die to all of that. You die on the cross. And I've spoken of this before. You then hit a wall. And it's very unpleasant because suddenly you begin to lose friends. Family turns against you. You begin to lose everything that you treasure. But you remember what Jesus said. He said, If you try to save your life, you'll lose it. You must take up your cross, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. It doesn't say you must accept him. You must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him. Is that what you're doing? Hmm. Be honest. The wall is very uncomfortable. The wall is where you finally die to everything of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Where you turn aside and say, I want Jesus Christ. I will spend my time zealously reading the scriptures and praying and obeying and doing everything the scripture directs me to do. And I will walk clean before Almighty God. I will not give way to sexual urges. I will not give way to arrogance and anger and bitterness. I will not cause dissension. I will simply walk straight ahead, trusting totally in my Lord Jesus. I read further in Romans 6. For if we have become united in the similarity of his death, then we shall also be united in the similarity of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed, 
that we not hereafter serve sin, for the one having died has been freed from sin. If you have not yet been freed from your sin, you have not yet died with Jesus. And he will not accept you until you have died to your sin. It says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified. Wait a minute, what is the old man? That's the old man that came from Adam that you were born into and born with that caused a death penalty to be spoken against you. That old man, that old self. Now, please, let me ask a question. Before Adam and Eve fell in the garden, did they sin against God? No. Sin is not a normal part of being a human being. Sin is a strange thing brought in by the dragon, by the serpent. It's not natural to us. And if you say to me, Pastor, I can never stop sinning, what you're saying is, the blood of Jesus is no more valuable than that of bulls and goats. You're insulting the grace of God. You're insulting the blood of Jesus. Why am I not able, by the blood of Jesus... To be born again from on high by the power of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus and be filled with righteousness. Why am I not then free of sin? The scriptures say I am. Now, I just want to make a point that I've made many times before. Do not. Judge truth by your experience. Your experience is your experience, and you're coming out of death. You're coming out of sin. You're coming out by the the Holy Spirit and the grace of Jesus Christ that reigns in righteousness. And this grace teaches us teaches us to say no to ungodliness. And so my my understanding of the word of God cannot be based on what I experience. It has to be based actually on the word of Jesus Christ. I'll go on. Verse 4. Really, in reality... We were buried together with him by the means of baptism into the death, just as Christ was raised out from among the dead men by the glory of the Father. So also we may walk in newness of life. For if we have become united in the similarity of his death, then we shall also be united in the similarity of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin may be destroyed. And the Greek word there is literally annihilate, destroy, remove. That we may not hereafter serve sin. For the one having died has been freed from sin. See, acceptance is not love. Acceptance is not love. Love is righteousness. If you simply think you're loving your children by accepting whatever they want and whoever they are, you're badly mistaken. You're preparing them to go to hell. If in your life you accept what everybody says to you about what is real and how you should live, you're preparing to go to hell. The Christian life is totally different than the 21st century American life. It's a totally different kind of walk. But if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised out from among dead men, dies no more. 
death no longer has dominion over him, for in that he died, he died with reference to sin once and for all, but in that he lives, he lives with respect to God. So also you must think yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but living for God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, sin must not reign in your mortal body to obey it in the lust of it. And you must not yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to the sin, but once and for all yield yourselves to God as living out from among spiritually dead men and yield your members as instruments of righteousness for God, for sin will not rule over you because you are not under law, but under grace. And what does grace do according to Titus? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Well, we're out of time for today. I pray this was helpful to you. I'm very concerned. I see wickedness everywhere I look. And I will not accept it. I love people. I love you. Because of that, I want you to heed this message and die to your sin and walk clean before God. It's a wonderful, wonderful life to live in Jesus Christ without sin. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you to all of you who helped cover last month's radio bill. I'm very, very grateful to you. You can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. So it's Pastor Ray Greenley. National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're also welcome to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. What are you going to do with this message today? I pray you'll listen to it more than once, and I pray you'll let the words soak into your heart, I want you to be filled with the righteousness of Jesus, not to accept the world, the flesh, and the devil. God bless you. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'll talk to you soon. Oh